Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. Today, our Senior Pastor, Dr. Charles Redmond, continues a series on the three purpose statements that help our church stay on mission in his message, Build Up Believers. Open your Bible, if you will, the Gospel of John. I want us to see a verse, but before we look at the verse, let me say this. I love our mission statement. And you know the mission statement by now. It's 10 words to help all people experience new life in Jesus Christ. Now, you know, 10 words, that's what the church is to do. And as long as we do that, the hands of God will be upon the church and bless the church, and and it will be amazing what God will do. And we're seeing that in unbelievable ways. Now, when you talk about to help all people, That would include the non-Christians, and it includes the Christians. So our job as a church is to help non-Christians and help Christians experience new life in Jesus Christ. Now, if you have your bulletin, we have a a good number of little blanks to fill in this morning, and uh, we're going to move along, and, and the goal is to get them all filled in in the time we have. But I want us to begin this morning with the fact of the matter, uh, the way to help non-Christians experience new life in Jesus Christ is to lift up Jesus. That's how you do it. And look with me in John chapter 12. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's preparing them for his upcoming death and resurrection. And in John chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus said, and I, if I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. And then verse 33 says, this Jesus said, signifying by what death he would die. Now, Here's here's how that verse applies and works for us. The fact of the matter is, uh, no one can experience anything that they do not have. And so for a non-Christian to experience and have experiences of the new life in Jesus Christ, what they must do first of all, they must experience that life. And there is a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want you to look at this verse. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Now look at that verse a moment. If you ever want to know how you can know that you are a Christian, well, look at what that verse says. Anyone belongs to Christ has become a new person. Let me ask you, are you a new person? I've been thinking about that verse all week. I've been asking myself, am I a new person? Look what else that verse says. The old life is gone. Is that true of you? Would you say, you know, I remember when my life was very different, but that old life is gone. Well, I have a new life. Well, that's exactly what happens when a person becomes a believer. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life, a new life, bless God, has begun. Now, you know, if you want to experience anything, 
There has to be a time it begins. You can't experience something that has never actually started in your life. I was thinking about that during the week, and I thought, you know, for example, if you've never been in an earthquake, then you have no idea what that experience would be. Now, Dottie and I have been in an earthquake, and until we were in one, I, I heard about them. I would see on TV about them, but I had no experience. Now, when I hear anything about an earthquake, we've had that experience, and I know what those people are feeling. Now, most of us have been through some hurricanes. We've been through three hurricanes in our 32 years here. And, you know, I, I, I still, when, when I hear about a hurricane, I remember that experience. That experience becomes real. But now if someone's out here somewhere and they've never been through an earthquake or they've never been through a, a hurricane and they hear somewhere in the world there's an earthquake, well, they're sorry there's an earthquake, but, you know, they don't feel anything. Well, it's the same way with being a Christian. If a person has never experienced new life in Jesus Christ, they have nothing to experience. So what is our job? Our job is to help all people experience new life in Jesus Christ. And how do we do that? We do that by lifting up Jesus. And there are multitudes of ways we can do that. Now, the way to help Christians to grow spiritually, you say, well, how do you do that? <laughs> Very simply, you build them up spiritually. You build them up spiritually. And, you know, in some ways, this may sound... Uh, kind of like it's not true, but it is. But in some ways, it's easier to help a non-Christian become a Christian than it is to help Christians to grow spiritually in their own life. Now, you would not think that would be true, but it is true. And I wanna, I wanna, I'll just mention two or three reasons it's true. Uh, one of the reasons it's true is that salvation is a one-time event, but spiritual growth is a process. You became a Christian, it was a one-time event. There was a point in your life, as was mine, where I realized I was a sinner, as did you, and I prayed and asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins, come into my life. I transferred my faith from myself to him for my salvation. But all that, a one-time event. Now, spiritual growth is a process. It's not a one-time event. So it's really easier when the Holy Spirit convicts a person to have a non-believer, a non-Christian become a Christian than it is to help Christian people to grow in their spiritual life. Now, there's a second reason that's true. And it will be true for some of you this morning. In fact, I fear it's true for most of us in this room and that watch. Many Christian people are just satisfied with where they are now. They are. They're saved. They, based on what Scripture teaches, they know one day they'll go to heaven. And they just really are at rest in Zion. They are not really any more knowledgeable about the things of God now than we're back yonder sometime. 
they're just content. It's so easy to be content in life spiritually where we are. And I don't think we realize it's even happening, but it does happen. And it makes it very difficult. It makes it very challenging. And then a third reason that uh, there are others, but a third reason I mentioned this morning, <laughs> talking about helping Christians grow spiritually. Okay. They're at various, they're at various points in the journey. So if you say, well, what we're going to do, we're going to have a class. And we're going to get everybody that wants to grow spiritually that's a Christian to come to this class. Well, when you get in the room, no matter what size the room, if I said one morning, I'm just going to give a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten things all Christians can do to grow spiritually. The problem is some are very, very new Christians. Others have been Christians a long time. Think when you became a Christian. Subtract that from your present age. And there are all kinds of numbers floating around the room. For example, in my case, I became a Christian when I was seven years of age, really about seven and a half years of age. Okay. Now that means that I am a 74-year-old Christian. I have been a believer 74 years. Now that doesn't make me more spiritual than the one that's been a believer for a day or a week or two weeks or whatever. It is just what it is. But I'm making a point that's a very valid point. When you start trying to help a group of believers to grow spiritually and you're going to have some formula to do it, the problem is one shoe size does not fit all feet. Can I have an amen to that? And it is a very, very challenging thing, which leads me back to what I said. It's easier, it really is, to share Christ and get a non-believer, if the Holy Spirit's convicting that person, to become a Christian than it is to gather together with a group of believers and say, now, hey, folks, what we want to do we want to all grow spiritually, and here's the one, two, three through ten things you do. It doesn't work quite that easily. It doesn't work quite that well. Now, the question is, whose job is it to help Christians to grow spiritually? Quickly, I answer, number one, the Bible's very clear about this, parents. You might jot this scripture down. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 and in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Word of God says that parents are to tell their children and their grandchildren about the things that God has done. And so what a blessed thing it is. But it's the job of parents. But not only that, it's the job of the church. It is the church's job. Look with me. You're in John. Turn back to Matthew, the last chapter, Matthew chapter 28. And you know the verses, but mark them if you have them not marked. In Matthew 28, Jesus gave instructions to the church. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them. He told them to do what? Make disciples. And then he said, teach them to observe all things that I have commanded. So it is the church's job to teach all these new believers, all believers, to grow in their spiritual life. Now, this whole idea of discipleship, you know, that's just kind of a, a, a like a, it's a Bible word, a church word. It, it just means to help people to grow and become more like Jesus. That's what discipleship's all about. Now, historically... Baptists have been strong 
omissions and evangelism, and rightly so. That's what we're to do. But churches that are strong on discipleship, generally speaking, are weaker in missions and evangelism. That's always what I'm trying to discern when we're bringing a staff member in, like especially in the student ministry. There are some student ministers, their whole deal is discipleship. They're going to get them about eight or ten in their little holy huddle, and they're going to grow them in the Lord. Now, while they do that, they don't lead anybody to Jesus. And that's, that, that ministry never really goes very far. Then there are others in student ministry. Their whole deal is, you know, get everybody saved and teach them nothing. Well, what is the right answer? The right answer is in the middle. It's not either or, it's both. You, you can't disciple people till they get saved. But when they get saved, you need to disciple them. So it is unquestionably the job of the church. Now, here's the good part. Listen carefully. And if you don't write anything else down, get these next two things. <laughs> Spiritual growth is simple. Spiritual growth is simple. You say, well, how is that so? Well, here's, here's all it is. You see what God's Word says. You see what God's Word or what God says in His Word day by day. And I wish you'd jot that down. You see, underline it, what God says in His Word. Now, here's a kicker, day by day. You don't just read God's Word. I mean, you can read the Bible. You can just read black ink on white paper. But what you do, you read it, yes, but you see what it says. The first verse that I read every day when I pick up my Bible, I, I won't see it with my eyes. I can quote it backwards if I want to. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse all unrighteousness. And I, I look at that verse, I, read, I say it out loud normally, and then I'll close my eyes and ask the Holy Spirit to show me sin that I need to confess before I even begin to read the Bible. So as I go to the Word of God, and then the second verse, I encourage you to read this verse every time you pick up your Bible. It's Psalm 119, verse 18. Psalm 119, verse 18 says, Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things in thy law. And I say, now, God, I'm about to read my Bible. I want you to open my eyes to see things that perhaps I've never seen. Or to see things that I need to see today, perhaps that I have seen before. That's the difference between reading the Bible and seeing what you read. You do read the words, but then you see, and you think, and you meditate, and you appropriate, and you apply. Now, if you want to grow spiritually, the first thing you do is very, very good. You, you, just, you just simply, you see what God says in His Word day by day. And then number two, you obey what God says in His Word. Now look, day by day. That's it. I mean, I mean folks, you, if you want to grow spiritually, you just see what God says in His Word day by day. You obey what God says in His Word day by day. And when you do that, then you're on the road to being more what God means you to be. Now, you know, this whole deal about, about spiritual growth, the daily time with God and His Word produces some things, and I want to just hit them very quickly. First of all, a daily time with God 
Now hear that word daily, a daily time with God. Let me say it again, a daily time with God. Folks, if the only time you pick up your Bible and read it is on Sunday, I, I thank you for coming on Sunday. I thank you for reading your Bible, but you're never going to grow very much spiritually. I mean, it'd be like just having a, a treadmill in your house and you just look at it. A bicycle in your living or your bedroom, you just, you just, you know, you hang your clothes on it and look at it. Well, I mean, you, you can get your treadmill in every corner and every room in your house. You finally, if you, you're going to have to get on the, you just can't just look at it. You know, you, 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 you have to daily, it's a, the same thing here about spiritual growth. It's a daily, and see, it'll be the hardest thing you ever do. Because the devil doesn't want you to do it. The devil does not want you to do it. It's easier, I guarantee this, it's easier to get a Christian to tithe than it is to get people to be consistent day by day by day reading their Bible. It's because the enemy, it's not that we don't love the Bible. There are just going to be so many things so many distractions, so much to do that as much as we want to, somehow we can't figure out how to add an hour to the day, and it can't be done. God didn't make it that way. We have to reorganize what we do in the day. But here's the bottom line to all of that is a daily time with God, His Word produces spiritual, spiritual cleansing. And there's a marvelous verse. I wish you'd write that down in, the, in your bulletin, the word cleansing. I'm just saying to you, if you, if you just day by day get in God's Word, what, you're going to find some things happen in your life. One is you're going to experience spiritual cleansing. If you look at this verse, it says, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your Word. So day by day in God's Word, you're going to experience spiritual cleansing. And not only that, uh, once you've moved on beyond that, uh, you're going to experience spiritual growth. You're going to experience spiritual growth. And the Bible, the great verse on that, it's in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, where Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So day by day in God's Word, you're going to experience, you're feeding in the Word of God, and you're going to experience spiritual growth. Not only that, a daily time with God in His Word and prayer not only produces spiritual cleansing and spiritual growth, it produces spiritual health. You'll be a healthier person spiritually. Uh, I love that verse in 1 Peter 2.2. 2, it says, uh, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of, what, of the word that you may grow thereby. It's a blessed, blessed thing. And then, boy, here's a good one. A daily time with God in his word in prayer produces not only spiritual cleansing and spiritual growth and spiritual health, it, it gives spiritual counsel. The Word of God gives us counsel. Uh, I love it. It says, you will guide me with your counsel. God's Word says that. You see, the best counselor you'll ever go to is the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit will guide you as you study in the Word of God what the Word of God has to say about things. And then a daily time with God in His Word and prayer produces not only those things, but it produces victory during times of spiritual conflict. You know, Jesus, when He was tempted in Matthew 4, three times He said to the devil, it is written, 
See, what I'm saying to you is a daily time in God's Word and prayer. As you go through conflicts in life, you get up against things and you think, man, <laughs> I, don't believe, I don't believe this is going to work out. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And then your faith begins to waver and your faith begins to weaken. That's spiritual conflict. But the solution to that is a daily time with God in His Word, and it takes care of all of that. The key is the consistency of day after day after day. Even if it's an abbreviated period of time, I'm convinced that the consistency of 15 minutes a day is more beneficial than once or twice a week if you did an hour at the time. You know, it just doesn't work that way. Now, listen to me, folks. If you want to grow spiritually, there are two musts. And here's what they are, and you ought to jot them down in your bulletin. You must have a desire to grow spiritually. I mean, if you don't have a want to in you to grow spiritually, I mean, I might preach a sermon or somebody else and kind of stir you up for a few days, but that's not the same as having an indwelling desire to know God better, to love Him more, to grow spiritually. So you must have a desire. And not only that, you must be consistent with your daily time with God in prayer to grow spiritually. It can't just be once or twice a week or, or what. It's just day by day. This is the old grind. This is just what I'm going to do. Just like every morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to brush my teeth and I'm going to take a shower and I'm going to shave and I'm going to do the things, the routine. We all do these things. We all, we're going to get dressed. Sometimes you, ha- you just do things because you know you're supposed to do them. You don't, there's nothing exciting to me about getting up in the morning and saying, whoopee, I live through the night. I get to put on my socks but I need to put on my socks. I do. I need to get ready for the day. Well, spiritually is part of being getting ready for the day. Now, here's, here's the thing. I've been a Christian 74 years. That's a long time. I've been through two seminaries. And then I look at my Christian life. And I look at my spiritual growth. And I think, you know, I've been pastoring churches over 50 years. <laughs> then I look at my life and I thought, you know, seriously, 74 years, I need to be spiritually better than this. And I'm just sharing my heart, beating myself up. 74 years I've been a Christian. And I thank God for wherever I am, but I've got a long way to go. Now, let me ask you, how are you doing on the journey? I mean, I hope, first of all, you're saved. But assuming most of you are saved, how's your spiritual condition? I mean, like, how long have you been saved? Would you say that you really are growing spiritually, or have you just kind of stagnated? It's easy to do. Just a little neglect here and a little neglect yonder. And I'll tell you what you'll do you'll dry up spiritually. And it's the worst feeling in the world. I do believe that a lost person is happier living their lifestyle than a Christian who's spiritually dried up. Well, you'll have to answer that. I just encourage you day by day, get in God's Word. 
See what it says to you and be consistent with it. But now this morning, where I started about the non-Christians, it may be that some of you are not growing spiritually because you've never had the experience of trusting the Lord Jesus. If you have questions about your relationship with Jesus, or you want to find peace with God, you can contact us by sending an email to info at peacebybelieving.org or by giving us a call at 1-800-337-0157. Also, you can go to our website, www.peacebybelieving.org, and look for the Find Peace tab. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.